Welcome, Bird Gang. Hope everyone had a good weekend. On today's show, we will talk about what we saw this past weekend in the NFL. Of course, it should have been a weekend that included some Cardinals football. Yes, it still stings. Want to congratulate both Buda Baker and DeAndre Hopkins, both named the 2020 All-Pro team. And we should be congratulating Hassan Reddick. Why he wasn't named NFC Defensive Player of the Month for December is a head-scratcher. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 385, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. It's a podcast, so you can't see me raising my hand, but count me in favor of Super Wild Card Weekend. Three games Saturday, three games Sunday, six games total, MJ. We'll discuss each of the matchups a bit later. It was a great weekend of football. Well, we know the NFL, and it really it's about you know more games and more revenue and this isn't going away. So it was fantastic. Ten and a half hours on Saturday, ten and a half hours. They were spread out perfectly where maybe a little bit more in the afternoon and then we get to the division round. But yeah, I thought it was a win-win for the fan bases and just so happy for the Bills fans and Browns fans uh, because they haven't been there. And, you know, now they're 60 minutes away from getting to the conference championship game. But yeah, I, I, I thought it was a, a big win-win situation for the league and just the fan base because it's it's been an awkward year. Some had fans there, and we'll see how that materializes over the next week or so. Of course, the next question is going to be, can you squeeze in a quadruple header? Can it go to 16 where half the teams in the league make the postseason? And that would be the argument to where you have the number one and number two seeds each receive that first round by. We always want more football, but I think we need to pump the brakes on that just for right now, and enjoy these two triple headers on Saturday and Sunday of this past weekend. Well, we know about, you know, more games mean more revenue. And True. obviously teams in the league took a, took a bath this year, but they were adamant to play an entire season. And so far, you can check the first week in a wild card football and then the 256 games. The thing is, Craig, because of digital, and we're going to – you know, we're going to get into what Nickelodeon did a little bit later in the show. But you have CBS, you have Fox. I think ABC is willing to possibly put Monday Night Football on on the Big Daddy, maybe a simulcast. And of course, you got the NFL Network, you got Nickelodeon, you got Amazon, and then you got YouTube. And so you got different outlets where you know, just tell me the time and where I need to find it. And again, for the most part, if you do have cable and YouTube, um, which you can get on the internet, I, I do think it's an option because you have so many different outlets and, and people are just, they're so advanced with technology, depending on the devices they have at home. But as long as you have the internet and it's, it's you know, high speed, you can, t- you can tune into pretty much every, anything and everything now. So it wouldn't surprise me, maybe it's not next year, but definitely in the future. Well, all you have to do is look at what ESPN has done with their college football and the national championship games where they have a dozen different broadcasts through their entire platforms, television, cable, digital, to where you're getting the main feed and then the home team version, the visiting team version, where they have a roundtable of head coaches discussing the game as it's happening. That was part of the Amazon broadcast, the Cardinals and 49ers. There were three different broadcasts in addition to what people saw on Amazon. And then, of course, with the 49ers and Cardinals and their respective radio broadcasts. But there was a scout version. There was a roundtable version. So you're right. It's people want to consume the game in as many different ways as possible to get different angles and different viewpoints. So there's nothing wrong with more football. And that's, that's the number thing that we learned this past weekend. Yeah. I was listening to Wolf on Monday and he said he's, he thinks in the future, you're going to have an R rated version football game between the announcer and the color analyst. And I'm like, 
So they can start swearing? Well, then maybe if you just keep guys mic'd up and stuff like that. But yeah, it's we're on the verge of some major breakthroughs, I think, and some major announcements coming down the road, you know, next year, a couple of years where you're getting different platforms because as they say, it's, you know, you cut the cord and everything is right in the palm of your hand, literally, when it comes to consuming information, audio and video. Yeah, couldn't agree more, but um, uh, I'm curious to see how the ratings uh, pan out because you, there, were, there was a lot of different sporting events. Of course, college basketball is going on. Um, you know, you got other options, you know, I, th- I think hockey's going to start here in a week, but uh, I'd be curious to see, you know, during the different time zones and then the markets, usually the teams that are playing and teams that, you know, don't make the playoffs, they're still a heavy market there. I think Buffalo is one of those for a long time. Um, so I'm interested to see their ratings because I think they're going to, I, I, I think when you look at probably the top 25 shows from 2020, 23 were the NFL. And I think on Sunday night with that NBC package, they dominated Sunday night every single week. And it's the live version. And that's what advertisers like to where you can't fast forward. You can't zoom past the commercials. You have to sit and devote two and a half, three hours, three and a half hours of your time. And that's what advertisers like to see and actually have the data in front of them as opposed to kind of relying on, okay, well, did they really watch the entire program? How much did they watch? With sporting events, you're watching about 95 to 100% of the entire broadcast. Well, you know, I know people will watch a lot of reality shows. Uh, to me, sports, that's the best reality show going. We all think we know going in, and then things happen. Just like this weekend, you know, we were wondering how many road teams are going to win. We kind of penciled the bucks as a guarantee, and we had a couple other road teams win. So that's the beauty. It's, it's reality football at its finest. Super wild card weekend. We'll get into the games in a moment. But first things first, last Friday apparently was awards and honors day. First off, from all of us here on Cardinals Cover 2, congratulations to Buda Baker and DeAndre Hopkins. They were both named the All-Pro team. Baker, a first-team selection. Hopkins, second-team Second time Baker has been named. He was a first-team All-Pro in 2017 for his role on special teams. So you can see the development and the elevation, the growth as a football player, uh, Buda Baker. He tied for the team lead in tackles with 118 with Jordan Hicks, had the second-most tackles among defensive backs, added two sacks, two interceptions, nine tackles for loss, six passes defensed, did miss one game, but did play with a cast on his hand as well. And that's when he got his first interception. In fact, his first two interceptions with that cast on his thumb. And when he met the media at the end of the season, he admitted that the thumb was sore, but didn't think there was going to be any long-term effects going into 2021. He did say every uh, off season is his fingers hurt just because of how many times, you know, you got to make tackles and, you know, I'm sure these guys have had broken fingers in the past and you just pop it back in and it gets swelled and tape it up. But, yeah, I mean, when I look at this Cardinal defense, depending on what happens with Patrick Peterson, you got Chandler Jones, who's going into the final year of his contract. Uh, is, is he a priority? Is he somebody they want to extend? We know they start to get 33 and 34. Um, you know, you tail off a little bit and, you know, one of the things I look at is, is Buda Baker. Not only is he the stir that mixes the drink, but he's also the glue on defense. And he told us in the media uh, on locker cleanout day that he's going to have a bigger voice. And he can when, you, when you're that type of player that you show up every single week and you're willing to put your body on the line and you're willing to play through injuries, that's how you get respect not only from your teammates, your coaches and peers around the league, and he said that he's going to go out and work out with Jamal Adams in the offseason going back to Washington. And so I really think he's going to become the face of the defense. It could happen in this upcoming season, but and, and he hasn't even reached his peak yet. He's still young. I mean, that's what I do like about the Cardinals roster, some of the guys 25, 26 and younger. Um, but now it's a matter of just coming together as a team and, you know, keeping the core together. And I think Steve's done a good job with that ID and DeAndre Hopkins and obviously Buda Baker. Um, he did give Justin Murray a contract. I wonder about Max Williams because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But when you get guys that are coming off their first contracts or they're about to, 
you know, idea or course of Buda Baker is going to be really the face of this defense moving forward for years to come. Hard to believe this will be his fifth season. 2021 will be his fifth year in the league, and he still seems like that young player fresh out of college, yet you have seen him move into that next tier as far as yeah, lead by example. Now it's, okay, maybe I do need to get in someone's face. Maybe I do need to become a little bit more vocal. And that takes time, especially for a player when you're not that quote-unquote first-round talents and you're not a top pick to where, hey, look at me. It's, no, i got to earn my place. And I think Buda Baker has certainly earned his place within that Cardinals locker room. Well, it may have already happened. Uh, remember that conversation after the three-game losing streak that him and Kyler Murray – um, you know, some sp- uh, words were spoken on the field. I'm sure it's more for the team aspect, but Buddha let everyone know, you know, do your job, you know, practice like you're going to play on game day. And so I think we got a little hint of that and I'm glad it came out. Um, but I think he'll take a bigger role next year. And, and, and again, the way he approaches, the way he practices, Craig, and you know this, that's the way he plays on game day. I help other guys take that suit because if you have 53 Buddha Bakers, you're going to be a much better team, a smarter team. You're going to learn how to win, and you're going to learn how to finish. And you can see because of how he practices and performs, you get rewarded with a first-team All-Pro selection. Hopkins, by the way, just missed being a first-team selection himself. He was edged out by Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, and Tyreek Hill. Hopkins had been first-team All-Pro each of the past three seasons, His reaction to now being a second-team All-Pro wide receiver. He went to Twitter. The tweet has since been deleted, MJ. But here's the tweet. Quote, if you're not first, you're last. Work to do. End of tweet. So he went a little Ricky Bobby, Talladega Knights on us there. If you ain't first, you're last. It was a tweet, though, that was retweeted by quarterback Kyler Murray. And I certainly took notice because everyone wants to be number one. No one likes to be number two or number three. But the voting, he was just slightly edged out by Tyreek Hill. And I don't know if more of that was because of, hey, Chiefs winning team, Cardinals not in the postseason, finish 500 with respect to how the voters looked at the wide receiver position. But you can't deny Hopkins' spot as far as among the elite, especially with the numbers that he put up. Well, you know, he switched conferences. And you look at Stefan Diggs, you know, you can make the case that, you know, they give up a first-round pick. Cardinals gave up two and a five. But we always thought in the NFC it was really Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, and then this year is DeAndre Hopkins. And the AFC, obviously, you know, you, you got some quality receivers. Uh, you got a, a lot of guys, you know, from the Chiefs um, that are quality, including a tight end and Travis Kelsey. So when you switch conferences, it's it's – It's an adjustment, but the fact that he put up big numbers, he obviously was the MVP of the Cardinals team. I think Kyler Murray is more of an offensive player of the year for the Cardinals. So, and we'll find more about that when it comes to voting from Kyle Odegaard on azcardinals.com. But yeah, when you switch conferences sometimes, you know, I I think he'll be grandfathered in um, just, just based on he's the go-to guy. He's kind of their bell cow when it comes to receptions and he's going to be targeted You know, he should be targeted 10 to 14 times per game. And I mean that until somebody else steps up. Yeah, his numbers as far as receptions tied with Adams for the second most in the league. And then he finished third in receiving yards. But, of course, they do look at how your team performs and the Cardinals finishing outside of the postseason, whereas Adams postseason, Stiggs postseason, Hill postseason. So, yeah, you can have great numbers, but you also got to help your team get to that second season. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Adams because uh, we need to start putting him in that conversation. You know, be, um, you know, he obviously, you know, playing with Aaron Rodgers, but I think he's in that same conversation with Mike Thomas. Uh, you throw in Julio, top, and then you got to throw in. And then, you know, unfortunately for him, I don't know if he was, um, you know, didn't want to play this year, but Kenny Galladay, he, he's been able to put up big numbers and uh, he's a free agent. Allen Robinson's a free agent. Um, so we're going to see, but I think in the NFC, um, it definitely is top heavy with number one wide receivers. And there's no doubt about it. Now that he's a one, a, these guys are go-to guys and you could see the league is passing a lot more. So 
I really like the fact that Hops is Hops under contract for the next few years. Yeah, no question about that. A huge move by general manager Steve Keim this past offseason. Bird Gang, a reminder, if you haven't already, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. As we continue on this Monday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Also late last week, the Players of the Month for December were named. And the one that we want to talk about here, because I think there's some controversy involved, at least with respect to the Cardinals, NFC Defensive Player of the Month. MJ went to Washington's Chase Young. Great month. Three sacks, 17 tackles, two forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, one of which he returned for a touchdown. In fact, that was against the 49ers at State Farm Stadium. I watched that play as we were doing Cardinal talk during that Sunday. Good numbers, but not great numbers. Here are some great numbers. Seven and a half sacks, 12 tackles, six forced fumbles. Those were the numbers Hassan Reddick put up in the month of December, yet it was Chase Young, not Reddick, who got NFC Defensive Player of the Month honors. Well, how'd the Cardinals finish in the month of December? Glad you asked. Cardinals went two and two. Washington went two and two. So you can't look at the team's respective records. Each team went two and two, but perhaps what we just say about DeAndre Hopkins missing out on all pro. Washington, yeah, they got to the postseason. The Cardinals did not, losing back-to-back games, back-to-back division games. So perhaps that was something in the back of people's minds when they came up with, all right, who do we want to single out as being the best defensive player in the month of December from the NFC? Yeah, it just seems like this year, you know, with the Washington football team having so many uh, allegations off the field and they bring in a guy that, you know, changed the culture and Ron Rivera and, and Chase Young. I mean, I, I, he's he's entertaining to watch and he's not afraid to talk. And, you know, obviously it didn't work out for them. But second pick in the draft, you know, you, you start looking at him and his smile. I mean, he's going to be on – He's going to get a lot of endorsements deals, plus playing the nation's capital. So I know I know Reddick was upset. He was. He went on Twitter. Everyone goes on Twitter for their reaction. We can't get them on the phone or in front of a television camera or in Zoom. You just go to social media. Well, you can, Craig, you can just sit on your couch and do all this without, without any cameras around. Just get, if you got your thumbs are healthy and you can press send. That's how, that's how they complain or they voice their opinion, so to speak. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever else they're doing. Yeah. But yeah, Reddick's reaction, quote, no D-P-O-T-M? Wow. End of tweet. He's obviously referring to Defensive Player of the Month. So he obviously expected an announcement that he would win Defensive Player of the Month, and it took him by surprise. And it really – it didn't really, you know, hit me in the face until you kind of looked at the numbers side-by-side – because side-by-side, side, Reddick had more sacks, more forced fumbles, didn't have five fewer tackles, didn't score. You know, maybe that tipped the hand in, in Young's favor. But overall, I would think, you know, seven and a half sacks, including five against the Giants, you know, that's, that's going to account for something. Yeah, and you talk about dominant defenders, 10 players record at least 10 sacks, in 2020, in six with at least 12 sacks, and that's T.J. Watt, 15, Aaron Donald, 13 and a half, New Orleans Trey Hendrickson, 13 and a half, Hassan Reddick, 12 and a half, Zadarius Smith, he had 12 and a half, and Miles Garrett. I mean, you talk about, you know, good company. We know T.J. Watt and Aaron Donald are going to do it year in and year out. We'll see about Hendrickson. He does have good players around him. Reddick won a lot of one-on-one matchups. We know uh, the Packers' defense doesn't get enough credit with Smith because of their offense. And then Miles Garrett, he was the first pick in the draft. And you're starting to see his upside, and I think there's a reason why the, the Browns are moving on. Reddick, top five in sacks, tackles for loss, and forced fumbles. And he couldn't have picked a better year to do it considering he's going into free agency. In fact, up on azcardinals.com as we speak, Kyle Odegaard, with a story on Reddick's timely season. And I went back and did a look as far as a game-by-game breakdown because it was a slow start for Reddick. Two sacks in his first five games as a backup, and he did not play in any of those first five games. 
he never hit 60% of the defensive snaps. Now that all changed in week six at Dallas. He started, had two sacks, and then never came off the bench again. Started the rest of the season and finished, as you said, with 12 and a half sacks, tied for the third most in the league. Now there was that stretch, and we documented it, a five-game stretch with no sacks or quarterback hits. And then that drought ended with five sacks and three forced fumbles at the Giants. And then it just became every single game he was getting another sack or two and more and more forced fumbles because that's something that the Cardinals really, really hammer home with their edge rushers or anyone rushing the quarterback. If you're close, reach out, try to get that ball out because, yeah, you can get the sack, which accounts for a loss as far as yards, but the ball comes out, now all of a sudden you're getting a loss perhaps of a possession and get the offense on the field. So I really like what the Cardinals have done as far as knocking that ball as many times as possible out of that quarterback's hands. Yeah, and that all starts in practice. Um, you know, they have coaches that teach that. Charlie Bone, outside linebackers coach, and then you throw in Billy Davis, inside linebackers coach. You know, you look at that game, um, you know, career high, five sacks, four, um, Forced three forced fumbles. He was the first player since Bonnie Holiday with five plus sacks and three forced fumbles in a single game. So he definitely made strides. And as we pointed out, you know, he never complained and give him a ton of credit and give the coaching staff credit because they both earned each other's trust. It's going to be an interesting offseason for Reddick. And I just wonder because teams can, can negotiate right now with their own free agents. But at this point, how many times do we see? teams come to terms before a player reaches free agency in the middle of March. DJ Humphreys did not wait. He signed this past offseason as far as an extension. Might we see that with a Hassan Reddick, or do you think at this point, you know, four seasons in, based off what I did in my fifth year, I want to see what the market is really going to tell me about my production and my value across the league going into 2021? Well, I think I think first of all, a couple of things. I think they they may have to make a decision between Marcus Golden, who's a couple of years older than the son Reddick. Golden did have injuries in the past, but he's been able to stay healthy. Reddick really hasn't gone under the knife, it's, but uh, it's more about you know ankle injuries and you know some nagging injuries that he's had. But he was able to play all 16 games, and then. What's the decision on Chandler Jones? Dennis Gardick's coming off a torn ACL, so when's he going to be ready? But you know, I know the Cardinals, again, when you see it, teams want to keep their own players. I mean, and I always say, is the grass always green on the other side? I don't know if this would happen, but let's say they make them an offer, you know, when, they, when they're allowed to in March, and maybe they say, hey, give us final offer. So that was the situation with Calais Campbell. I think that was a situation with Rodney Gunter. You know, I, people think they could put the tag on them. I think that would be steep for a guy that's only done it one year. You, you know, you look at when uh, Shaq Barrett was in Denver, the, the Buccaneers brought him in and said, we want to see you do it again. You know, so the thing is, you know, it can a team out there that has money offer him a one-year deal for $8 million? Possibly, yeah. Um, so cap's going down, but I think the Cardinals, and I'm sure they know just based on their analytics, um, snaps, you know, is Marcus Golden the better in the run support game? Uh, again, you can debate everything, but I can make a case for both guys. But it's all it takes is one team, and he probably feels like that he that he uh, is a, approaching free agency where he had a career year. So, you know, props to him. But again, I know he likes being here. Uh, he likes playing for Vance, and he really excelled this year. So we'll see, but. You know, I think when you look at the first five games, as you pointed out, he wasn't a starter until Chandler went down, but they were starting Kennard and, and Jones. They didn't have Marcus Golden on the roster. We didn't even see a lot of Dennis Gardek. Um, so they were really going with that. And then we know that that's, that jet package they had created was allowing some of those other linebackers to get on the field on third downs. Now, when the Cardinals tagged Kenyon Drake a year ago, it was a surprise, at least – for me. Now, it wasn't the franchise tag. It was a transition tag, but that is all on the table for the Cardinals. They can use one or both, and maybe Reddick is an option for either one. Now, you're talking about multi-million dollars. I think the franchise tag would be between 13 and $15 million, if I remember correctly, although that's a number that could fluctuate depending on where the salary cap ends 
and 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 comes you know when when the uh, new league year begins in the middle of March. But it wouldn't surprise me if they went that route again and said, hey, you know what? We just don't have the money right now or the resources to devote, you know, two, three, four years. And based off of the quote unquote one year wonder, well, let's see if you can do it again. You brought up Shaq Barrett. He did again. He had two great seasons. And now you got to figure out, okay, he should be getting paid. Reddick might be one of those players that asks, gets asked to do it again. But as they say, it only takes one team. And maybe there is a team out there that says, here you go, three, four-year deal with X number, X number of dollars guaranteed that the Cardinals just can't match. And there's teams out there, and you know we'll have plenty of time to get into the edge rushers and defensive ends. Now, I do know this, at least 16 teams do play a 4-3. Um, can he play in a 4-3? I think he's a little undersized. Can he play in a three-four? Absolutely. So that you know, I'm just thinking out loud. But good coaches will put you in position to make plays. And we know when you when the Cardinals play a three-four, they still have five guys at the line of scrimmage. And we know that he's quick enough to get around some of these left tackles who got really good feet. Um, and he, he he's come up with a couple of different bull rushes. So again. Um, it's going to be interesting because um, you can never have enough pass rushers. And we, I think they showed it this year. And you know what? After they started rolling, it wasn't a bad situation with uh, sacks by committee. And everyone everyone chipped in. One week it was this guy. Next week it was that guy. And, you know, you like to have that one stud where teams got to be aware of it. But, hey, they got to, they got to defend the entire defense versus worrying about just one guy. Bird Gang, this will not be the one and only time we bring up Hassan Reddick and his future. It is a topic that will be addressed quite a few times until we get a definitive answer, but he might be the most intriguing of all of the Cardinals free agents is trying to figure out, is there a way to re-sign him? What is his value across the market? How do other teams see him with respect to their own defense? So we'd love to see him come back, but uh, never going to apologize players for getting as much as they can because you only have so many years in this league uh, in which you can make your money. As we continue here on this Monday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's get into it, MJ. Six games in two days, wild card weekend, super wild card weekend is what the NFL dubbed it. We uh, told the Bird Gang not to bother you at all on Saturday and Sunday. I'm sure you uh, did not move at all. You figured out a way to have the refrigerator on your left and uh, basically just, you know, stayed in one spot for 48 hours, but a tremendous two days of football. And I'll begin on Saturday with your bills edging the Colts 27 to 24 Buffalo's first postseason win in 25 years. Yeah. And, you know, going into that game, you know, the, the bills defense, I think they have given up like 22 or 23 points, but in the last, you know, six, five or six games, they only had given up eight. Now, clearly they've been scoring a ton of points, but um, I, I didn't know if the Colts can score enough points in that game. And I guess, we'll, you know, when you get into analytics, I think Frank Wright's going to have a long off season. Um, but Buffalo, you know, there was 7-3. And I give the Colts a lot of credit because they were trying to run the ball and keep Josh Allen on the sidelines. So going into the half, it was 14-10. to 10. And then Buffalo scored, you know, 13 points in the second half. The Colts did score 14 points in the fourth quarter. Um, but I, I, I think Frank Wright is probably going to have to talk to the owner and the GM just about, you know, that stuff works. And when you get to the postseason, sometimes it's got to be a, by gut. But, you know, Josh Allen was very efficient, um, had a good quarterback rating. One thing the, the Colts did is rush the football 30 times for 163 yards. But I noticed towards the end, Philip Rivers still looks like he's throwing a shot put, kind of like Cam Newton. And he did get that down there on the Hail Mary. And Buffalo said they realized, based on the Hopkins, Hail Murray, they learned from that and they knocked the ball down. I think it was Michael Hyde. So Buffalo learned from that. And not a surprise that they've been on the cusp the last couple of years. Now you're starting to see the upside from the offense, defense. Coaching matters when it comes to the Bills. 
Josh Allen, three total touchdowns, threw for 324 yards, and you bring up the analytics on that fourth down. Now, if you run it accurately, or I should say if you execute it correctly, I mean, the pass was just off the receiver's fingertips, and that goes for a touchdown, yet there were several people on social media, which is not the be-end-all, end-all, but when you get to the postseason and when you're inside the red zone, it's always take the points Yet, I understand if you're going to do it in the regular season, I certainly would expect Cliff Kingsbury, if given that same scenario, would have gone for it in that aspect, especially when you're on the road. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, Michael Pittman was wide open. And, uh, you know, do you see who was playing right tackle? Jared Valdir. Yeah, I did hear his name, which was a stunner. Even more stunning, though, that Michael Pittman is the son of Michael Pittman that we all covered when he was playing with the Arizona Cardinals, MJ, we're old. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember he was coming out in the draft and he had a really good college career. He's got another son that's playing college football. So it must be the genes. And uh, yeah. And, but for Jerry, how about Kevin Minter? He's still playing. You know, <laughs> there were a lot of familiar faces on that Tampa Bay sideline. And, and Minter is one of those players that I think was getting more time because Devin White yes. was not on the field for Tampa Bay. By the yeah. way, the Bills now will play the Ravens in the divisional round or the Elite Eight, and the Ravens get by the Titans. That game on Sunday, 20-13, to 13, as Baltimore rallied from 10 down. I found this interesting. That's the first time in 22 games that the Baltimore franchise, either in the regular season or playoffs, won a game by trailing by 10 or more Points and a tip of the cap to Lamar Jackson, his first postseason win. Although it was just his third postseason game, and he's what 24 years old, so I think that narrative kind of ran a little bit too high as far as the pro the amount of pressure that was placed on him. And he admitted as much at the end of the game. Yeah, he ran for 136 yards. He had that 48 yard scamper for a touchdown, very efficient. I mean, he was sacked five times, but you know, in, in the, going into that game, you knew that the um, they're going uh, Titans were going to try to run the football, and they held Derrick Henry to 18 carries for 40 yards, 2.2. Is he had an eight yard? And I thought play action. I you, you know you look at AJ Brown. I thought they're tight ends because you know one thing about the um, the the Titans, and I've been saying it all year, is their secondary is not very good. And you could see when it came to Mark Andrews. And Hollywood Brown, uh, even the, the big fullback, Ricard, I mean, he's like 300 pounds, it seems like. And then they got Dobbins. But uh, they were able to run behind Lamar Jackson, 236 yards, two rushing touchdowns. And I think we'll have time in this week. But Buffalo is going to face a mobile quarterback. And clearly they did not face that with Phillip Rivers. Um, but, again, uh, that Colts team is a good team. They're a solid team. I think they're well coached. Just unfortunately, though, that I think Frank Wright's going to be questioned the entire offseason. And what's the uh, future for Phillip Rivers? He was very emotional after the game. I still think he can play in this league. Um, but the thing is, he's getting up there in age. And at some point, if you're Chris Ballard, you have to find that next guy. You know, I do like when they bring in Jacoby Bursett on the short yardage stuff So because he, he's usually in the shotgun. So, once again, every team's going to have um, you know questions going into the offseason, and we're just going to have to wait for the answers. Well, not only Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, potentially Drew Brees as well. We know Tom Brady wants to keep playing, but you might very well be losing three huge names out of that quarterback fraternity that we won't see on the field, or maybe we see in different uniforms. I know the Colts – I think have come out publicly saying they would like rivers to return. Don't know about in Pittsburgh. And then of course, if Drew Brees wants to keep playing, he's not going to play for anyone else, but new Orleans. And Pittsburgh, they're like 20, 25 million over the cap. Roethlisberger's cap numbers next year, 41 million. And I was listening to Ed Bouchette earlier, who's been there for 40 some odd years. And he was talking about how the last couple of playoff games for the Steelers, they've given up over 45 points. Matter of fact, that Jacksonville, you know, uh, was a division round or AFC, yeah, a division round. Um, but he thinks they'll roll with Mason Rudolph because they, you know, they're, unless they want to draft a quarterback and Kevin um, Colbert, 
I know he's a wanted man around the league being a general manager because of what he's done in Pittsburgh, especially building that defense. Uh, I think he retires there, so I don't think he's going anywhere, but maybe he likes to get a quarterback for the future. We know the old, uh, the late Ron Wilson, you should draft one every year. I mean, I think you got to take a stab every couple of years, but sounds like they're going to be in a rebuilding mode. Uh, they went all in and disappointing loss from Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, the Browns surprised the Steelers. It was the final game on Sunday night, 48-37, to but that is a misleading score because it was 28 nothing at the end of the first quarter as Cleveland snapped a 17-game losing streak at Heinz Field. I saw this interesting stat. The uh, Browns' defense forced four turnovers in the first quarter. The Steelers' offense had four first downs in the first quarter. It was ugly, and if that was Roethlisberger's final game in a Steelers uniform, he was picked off four times. Certainly not the way anyone wants to go out. No, and he, he attempted 68 passes, 47 for 68 for 501, four touchdowns, four interceptions. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster, who's come under a lot of controversy, and he didn't regret what he said about the Browns or the same Browns. I don't see anything different. Targeted 19 times, 13 catches, 157 yards. Um, you know, I thought the, the Browns with that one-two punch and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Kareem Hunt's going to get a chance to play against his former team, obviously didn't end the right way, and that's more self-inflicted. And give Baker Mayfield credit because he didn't have Kevin Stefanski. You know, Alex Van Pelt is was the you know basically in his ear, and they didn't miss a beat, but. Um, it was interesting where Stefanski was in his cellar and he was on the, uh, the, the, the feed where it was maybe seven to 15 seconds behind and he can hear his kids going bonkers on that first possession. So, um, and he got, they put him on FaceTime after the game. So he got a chance to talk to the team, um, but good for the Browns. I mean, it's, they haven't been able to beat Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers for years and you know, give John Dorsey a lot of credit because he brought in a lot of that talent. John Dorsey drafted Patrick Mahomes, and then he went to Cleveland, drafted Baker Mayfield, and a lot of people thought, you know, is he the best quarterback in the draft? And, you know, some of the antics in college, you know, kind of immature, and we probably saw that with Freddie Kitchens, but we didn't see that with Kevin Stefanski. No Jarvis Landry, who could be a little toxic at times. Um, so give them a ton of credit, and uh, I, I think they're going to be a team to beat with Baltimore with these young quarterbacks sort of years to come. So here is the matchups for the AFC divisional round next week on Saturday, the Ravens at the bills on Sunday, the Browns will play the chiefs, Kansas city, the number one seed. They did not play this past weekend. They had the weekend off and we'll dive into those playoff matchups a little bit later on this week. Let's turn our attention MJ to the NFC, the first NFC matchup of the weekend on Saturday Rams over the Seahawks, 30-20. to 20. Rams with the last laugh after the Seahawks loudly celebrated winning the division at the Rams' expense two weeks ago. Quoting Jared Goff, two weeks ago you saw them smoking cigars and getting all excited about beating us and winning the division, and we were able to come up here and beat them. End quote. So, yes, the Rams did not forget, and they remembered what happened and came away with a victory, a, uh, an interesting game that I think certainly you can make a case that it was the Rams' defense that really clamped down on that Seahawks offense. Yeah, Seattle, they ran the ball 136 yards, 5.4, but Russell Wilson, very pedestrian, 11 of 27, 174, had a couple touchdowns and interception. You know, Metcalf had close to 100 yards, but, you know, right now the Rams, they got that rest – recipe to make a run because, you know, offensively they can score points. They're number one in, in, in defense. Um, when it comes to points allowed, they're number one when it comes to passing yards and we know it's a passing league. So if golf and if golf is the guy that looks like Walford, um, it's a, a, a next stinger, but it looked worse than that. And glad he was in a locker room after the game to celebrate with those guys after being put in an ambulance with a neck brace it looked really scary. So yeah, I mean, when you look at the uh, – I think the Rams, uh, you know, special teams, we'll see about that. But he, they got a defense that can travel. 
and now Cam Akers, I mean, at the beginning of the season, it was running back by committee. And, you know, they utilize their tight ends and they'll go 12 personnel to get mass protection. So I do think they can make a run, um, you know, winning one game. We'll see if they're in the, in the NFC championship game. But, you know, I, the fact that they've been in the playoffs the last couple of years, um, and, and Craig, I text you over the weekend. It's like, how did Seattle win the division? Now, I know they won it in wins and losses, and, they, and their defense played lights out the last four weeks. I mean, they, they beat them 13-9. and nine. But that – and Pete Carroll, I mean, it looks like the entire staff's coming back, and he came out on Monday saying, I want to run the ball more, not 50 times a game. And they're paying Russell Wilson $35 million a year. And you wonder, you know, between Metcalf, who's up and down personality-wise, and Lockett, uh, I like their running game. Their offensive line hasn't been great. I think Dunlop definitely gave him a lift. I didn't know how he'd play. And then you find out Jamal Adams needs double surgery. So I still think they're, you know, a 9-11 win team. Um, but I, I was shocked how they how they played in the postseason because they've been battle-tested. And, you know, the last couple of years, they have really haven't made a run. They've won a playoff game but not make a run to the uh, NFC champions like the Rams have. Seattle's first postseason home loss since 2004. Again, the Rams win, beat the Seahawks 30-20. to The reward for the Rams, a trip to Green Bay. They will play this Packers in the divisional playoffs. That game on Saturday at 2.35. Yeah, that's going to be, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur, who spent some time with Sean McVay. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, um, West Coast guy, went to Cal, right? And then you look at Jared Goff, went to Cal. Um, but you got two up and coming head coaches. Um, they're really good at play calling. They got good teams around them. Um, you know, we'll see about Aaron Donald. Looks like he did have maybe possible fractured ribs, but the cartilage damage is very sore. So they're probably going to have to shoot him up. Now, I don't know if they shot him up yesterday. You got to be careful when you do that because you don't want to puncture the lung. So he could have decided not to do that. And there's other ways where you can numb the, the cartilage damage. The ribs will heal, but it's not going to heal. Uh, you can't put hot sauce on it um, for five or six days. So I do anticipate him playing very similar to Drew Brees. You, the, he'll wear a device where it's, it's light. I think the police officers wear it so you can withstand uh, a couple blows. But it also keeps uh, you from re-injuring possibly unless somebody takes a helmet to the, uh, to the abdominal area. But I... I hope he plays because that'd be a great matchup between him and that offensive line. And just terrible news, David Bakhtieri tore his ACL in non-contact, and that's a big loss when your left tackle, who's been an all-pro player, and the blind side for Aaron Rodgers. So, But I do think it's going to be an entertaining game. We'll see what the weather is. I don't think it's going to be low scoring. The Rams may have to try to outscore them. We know the Packers can score at will uh, based on their chemistry on offense. And they can run the football now, too. So Rams-Packers on Saturday, also on Sunday, the other NFC divisional playoff game, Buccaneers at Saints. We will get into that matchup later this week because it's Brady versus Breeze for the third time this season. But how did they get there? The Buccaneers on Saturday night defeated Washington 31-23. Tampa Bay's first postseason win since 2002. Tom Brady wins his 31st career playoff game in his 42nd postseason start. Yet, if you watch that game and even afterwards, you would have thought that Washington came away with the win because as much talk and attention was paid to Tyler Heineke, second pro start, first in the playoffs, threw for over 300 yards, ran for a touchdown, passed for a touchdown. Everyone, those watching and certainly those paying attention to the game, very impressed by what Heineke was able to do. Yeah, and you wonder if he didn't get hurt because they they were they were moving the football, and uh, you know he had 193 snaps in his career. Um, he's been in that system, and to me, uh, you know, he's going to be a free agent. And I'm sure some other teams are out there looking because I couldn't believe all the different quarterbacks that we saw this weekend. Because um, normally you think it's going to be the guy from week one, but that's not. You know, you get to week 16 and 17, you're playing guys from the practice squad, but. You know, he's been in that system with Scott Turner. He, he was with uh, Ron Rivera. Um, you know, they're going to have to make a decision on Alex Smith if they want to bring him back. Dwayne Haskins is going to take a look with the Panthers. And then you got Kyle Allen there. And you would think with, you know, them building up that defense, maybe get him some more weapons. I do like McKissick and also uh, Gibson. Um, 
So I, I think that's a team up and coming, but it'd be interesting to see if they say, you know, I don't know what his asking price would be, but um, for him, they took a shot on him and he's got a relationship with Scott Turner, uh, North Turner's son. Um, and we know that North Turner knew how to call plays, especially with that 11 personnel in Dallas and three wide and one tight and one back. So I, that, I, I think the red Washington football teams on the rise and it wouldn't surprise me if he's a starting quarterback next year. He was taking online math classes at old dominion earlier this season when Washington called and said, Hey, we need a quote quarantine quarterback. Are you with us? And he said, sure. So that was something that happened because we were seeing what was going on throughout the league and specifically what happened to Denver. Some teams reacted and you needed that emergency in case of an emergency break glass kind of situation. And with the situation with Dwayne Haskins and then Alex Smith not being available, Kyle Allen going on injured reserve, Heineke was the man and nearly came away with perhaps the biggest upsets, not only of the weekend, but maybe in uh, quite some time if they were able to beat Tampa Bay, even though that was a quote unquote home game for Washington. Well, they brought in that kid, uh, Steven Montez. That's right. And he then he not, only got he only got a snap. He was ready to come in. And all of a sudden, Heineke comes back out onto the field, and we're like, oh, okay. Well, that was – I mean, yeah, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, got to give them credit, man, because, you know, having – just like the Browns and, you know, the Cardinals benefited this, you know, picking in the top five, getting Patrick Peterson and obviously Kyler Murray and – you know, Larry Fitzgerald, but they've really done a really good job drafting. And you, I think you, you look back at some of their GMs, um, I think they did a good job. But um, I, I can see this team on the rise. We'll see about Dallas, Philadelphia, I think, is trying to figure out who they are. And then the Giants, I think they got the right coach. You get Saquon Barkley, Barkley back. He had some more weapons. The defense flies around. Um, so that division will be a lot better, I think, in 2021. So the Buccaneers advance, as do the Saints, as New Orleans eliminated Chicago 21-9. to Drew Brees, a couple of touchdown tosses. Alvin Kamara, welcome back. He had a touchdown run. But what a lot of people are talking about here on this Monday is the Nickelodeon broadcast. It was well-received, a different version of NFL football than the traditional CBS broadcast, but it certainly was – at a way to get to a younger demographic. And it certainly by all accounts, at least based off of social media, it was, as I said, well-received and something I think we can see in the future. It wasn't a great game. It was close early on, but then I think you eventually you were going to see the New Orleans Saints, just their talent went out. And that's exactly what happened. Well, you know, Drew Brees, you would think he's much healthier than he was. You got Michael Thomas, who's got fresh legs. I mean, they got a really good running game. Um, Tyson Hill, Tyson Hill comes in. Um, that defense is battle tested, though. That, that defense it starts up front. Um, you know they get to the quarterback, and so yeah. But Nickelodeon was interesting. The, the graphics, the slime. Uh, I thought Nate Burleson did a great job. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we see that in the Super Bowl because you pointed out before the show that CBS has the rights. And uh, you know it was it was it was just interesting when um, like. The graphics and then the slime was the first down marker, which we know is inaccurate because it's just, you know, a line. Obviously, that's why they bring out the chains. And then when the Saints scored a touchdown, the slime was coming all over. And Sean Payton did say, and he manned up. Yep. They win, he'll get slimed. And they had a little, uh, you know, makeshift, um, you know, uh, backdrop with with uh, Nickelodeon on there. And then they dumped a bucket on him. And, <laughs> you know, Larry Fitzgerald did that a few years ago. He got slimed. I didn't. I do not remember that. He allowed yeah. someone to dump a bucket or slime on top of his head of hair. Wow. Craig, Craig, there's always a price tag. <laughs> now is- the, the the girl that was working on there, she said it's part of the uh, indoctrination where you have to get slimed. And, and I guess she said it took her two hours, and she had longer hair. She said it took two hours just to get it out. So I don't know if Nate's been, you know, he's gone through the gauntlet when it comes to being initiated there. But, yeah, Larry Fitzgerald did do that. And, uh, again, there's a price tag for everything. By the way, before we exit here on this Monday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, what's the latest on number 11? 
You know, I talked to Larry and he is traveling. He's playing a little golf. Um, he said he's going to take his time. When he talks about the team, he still says we. He talked about, you know, they're going to make some tough decisions. Um, he does have some opportunities um, after football. And, you know, I didn't think he would consider it, but, um, you know, there's people calling for him. So he's got, you got a lot to decide on. But when I did talk to me, he was at peace. He's, you know, he's, he said the growing injury is one of the worst injuries he's had over the last couple of years. He's feeling much better there. Um, but he said, I'm, I'm just waiting to see, you know, just wait. And, and again, I don't think any is predicated on Cliff coming back or, you know, them changing the coaching staff or bringing in some new players. It's, it's about him. Just does he want to end his career where he wasn't able to play? And it was a difficult year for a lot of guys because we know he wants to get back to the postseason. But he sounded free. Um, he was healthy. And he just said, I, you know, I've gotten some opportunities. My phone's been ringing. But right now I'm just going to take a little time off and I'll decide. Well, as we heard Cliff Kingsbury say, there's no timetable and maybe we hear something more later than sooner as opposed to the opposite. But uh, we wait and see whenever Larry Fitzgerald decides to make a decision. We will talk about it right here on Cardinals Cover 2. Real quick, need to make mention of this as well. Beginning today, Monday, State Farm Stadium will serve as a 24-7 vaccination site to expand the availability of COVID-19 vaccine doses. Quoting Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell, every corner of our community has been impacted by COVID-19, but the availability of vaccines is a major development in the fight against it. End quote. And go to azcardinals.com for more information on that. But it is good to see State Farm Stadium. We saw it back in March, a number of blood drives. And then in May, there was the personal protective equipment drive. And there still is every Wednesday and Saturday drive through testing available at State Farm Stadium. Yeah, this is a game changer. And for you listening to this show and you're wondering when your, your parents are going to be able to get a vaccine, if they're 75 and over, you got to go um, to the link and you got to register. And depending on, um, it's going to be drive through, but they're giving out free vaccines right now. They're taking care of the police officers, obviously, the first responders, the, the nurses, the doctors. But if your parents are over 75, it is a free vaccine and it's open 24 7 at Stain Farm Stadium. So, um, you know, it's just a drive out there and you're going to have some sense of security when it comes to your parents versus catching COVID when they may be dealing with other ailments. So this is a game changer. And, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, it gets them back to some normalcy. But uh, if you know anybody that's 75 or older, tell your friends, you know, if it's, it's a quick drive depending on where you live. So I, I'm, I'm thrilled that the state of Arizona, uh, the governor's office, and the Arizona Cardinals have paired up because this is something we all need. It's not just for certain people. And eventually we'll all be able to get in line and get getting taken care of. So game changer for me. Here is that link, azhealth.gov slash find vaccine. Again, azhealth.gov slash find vaccine. We hope everyone stays safe out there. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.